grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good. Whoa, already starting off with a bang. Look at that, the internet. Good afternoon, everybody. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> Probably better than my internet. Just a word of warning. It's Monday. It's a holiday. And everybody and their brother has Xfinity in my neighborhood. So I'm just giving you a heads up that uh, we may, you know, go and we may be dropping out off and on. So it's already done that a couple of times since I started the show. So that's life in this neighborhood. It's life, you know. So anyway, maybe someday I'll be able to get AT&T back. Anyway, welcome everybody, and uh, my name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you have a paranormal issue or you think you might have a paranormal issue, we can get to you. It might take us a while because the state's a big state. It's huge. So, uh, But uh, we can get to you, and even if we can't physically get to you, I have mediums on staff who can talk with you remotely about what's going on. Okay? You can see into your house and all that stuff. Kind of creepy, but they can. We've got a great show lined up for you. We have had this lady on before, and it's been very, very, very nice to have her on and learn from her, you know, um, Donna Donna Anderson. And, uh, excuse me, I had a frog in my throat there for a second. And it's a very educational thing because a lot of this goes on all the time. This thing, you know, you... If you you meet you fall in love with somebody and then after everything's fine even during your relationship with them you know even during that let's go out and have a date have pizza that's all fine and daddy minute you get that ring on your finger boom okay it's like jekyll and hyde so you know the personality changes and you start noticing stuff this is what happened to donna anderson and so she's going to tell us her story and not only that in her in her time now what she does is she, is she helps other people who might be involved in a similar situation. So it's going to be interesting to hear what tips she has for folks as well. Okay, that be that said, if you're watching from Facebook today and you haven't done it already, be sure to follow the show, okay? And you can either be on my Facebook page with my name or you can follow all the California Haunts Facebook page or whatever page you're on on Facebook. But be sure to do that and be sure to like the show. Show me some love. I like love. I like likes, Okay. If you're watching from YouTube, I'm going to point. Let's see. There we go. First, well, first try, kind of. There's a little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. And he's got a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes head on. And um, if you haven't done so already and you like what you hear today and what you see today, please be sure to click on him and that will subscribe you to our videos. We have 530 videos over there, all different topics. I am a journalist. So although I enjoy paranormal topics because I'm a ghost hunter as well, I also like topics like what we're going to do today. I was a crime courts reporter for six years. You know, I like bringing stuff out and I like helping people doing things that matter. And this is a story in, in, a, in a show like this really, really matters. It really matters. So uh, if you look through all those videos as well, I think you'll find something that you like because there's a lot of different things on there, a lot of different topics. Okay. If you're watching from Twitch, hit that like button and come on over to wherever you want to go to follow. Same thing with uh, TikTok. We're not live on TikTok, but for the people that have followed me over from my TikTok account, be sure to subscribe to YouTube so you can get my videos, right? And hit that like button. 
Tell me what you think. We're open for conversation. See the back says, come join the conversation. That's what this is about. So you guys can ask questions of my guest as well, not just me. Okay. This is all, it's all fun. It's like, it's, a, it's like watching a regular, it's like watching a regular talk show. Only, you know, we're here. We're virtual. Okay. Anyway, I already gave a nice intro. I'm going to let her tell you her story because her story is, she can tell her story more intriguing than I can tell her story. Believe me. And me, you know how I am. At least she's got a name I don't screw up, right? I'm good with screwing up names <laughs> every time. Tomorrow's guest, hmm, you'll see. But uh, let's get on with it and uh, let's have Donna tell her story. I just, I think Donna's one of the greatest people around. Here we go. Hi, everybody. And hi, Charlotte. Thank you so much for inviting me to your show again. I, I think we did this last year. Uh, when my most recent book came out. And um, for those of you who um, may have missed that, I'm Donna Anderson, author of lovefraud.com. And my most recent book is called Senior Sociopath, How to Recognize and Escape Lifelong Abusers. Ah, there it is. There's there's the picture. So um, that came out last year. I've gotten great feedback. A lot of people have found it to be helpful. And the reason that uh, I wrote this book is because I married one of these folks. Um, the guy turned out to be a complete con artist. He took a quarter million dollars from me. Wow. He cheated with six different women during our two and a half year relationship. He had a child with one of those women. And then 10 days after I left him, not 10 days after we divorced, 10 days after I left him, he married the mother of the child, which was the second time he committed bigamy. So, yeah, you know, so it, it's it. And that's that's it, it just gets wilder and wilder. You know, the, everything that went on. And um, as you can imagine, I was very confused by this situation. And I was talking to my therapist and explaining all the different things that he did. And she says, he sounds like a sociopath. And I'm like, sociopath, what's that? So I started to research it. Sure enough, he fit the profile and I realized that I had a story to tell. And so I launched Love Fraud back in 2005. I, I have a bunch of books that have come out. Uh, the first one tells my whole story and then I have other helpful books. And uh, I'm, I'm still out there educating people about all these disordered folks who live among us. Let me ask you this. Uh, I know we've talked about this before, obviously, because you were on before, but for the people that, the, the newer people, because I have more subscribers now, they're out there. I know they're out there. Um, <laughs> what were the signs? Okay. Did you notice right away as you were dating him, like, like I kind of went off on my own tangent at the beginning of the show. Did you notice while you were dating him that he had some weird tendencies? When I met this man, he seemed to be the person I've been waiting for all my life. Uh -huh. And believe it or not, that ends up being one of the warning signs, <laughs> you know, which which I found out later. But he he was he was magnetic, he was charismatic, he always knew what to say, he never missed a beat, and um he came along and, and swept me off my feet. And he presented himself to be an entrepreneur. He claimed that he was a Hollywood script writer and had previously had an advertising business. And, and I was in the advertising business. So that was a point that we had in common. 
Um, he also claimed to be um, a military veteran. He told me that he served in Vietnam and won uh, medals for his bravery. In fact, I mean, I wasn't the only person that he told that. He actually joined the um, local Vietnam Veterans Association and um, it was so convincing that they invited him to be the keynote speaker at a Veterans Day ceremony. He was never in the military. Like, you know, he, he made all this stuff up and he, he, he made a lot of things up. And, and, but, you know, at the time he was focusing on me and telling me how much he loved me and that I was the woman he'd been waiting for all his life and, and talking about this wonderful future that we're going to have. And so Obviously, I didn't know that he was lying. I didn't know he was lying about his military history. I mean, he presented me with documentation, which is also something sociopaths do. So there were a lot of things that eventually I caught on that his stories would change and, and that things were happening. And then, of course, it, the idea that he was taking money from me, but he didn't say he was taking money from me. He said, you know, we were investing in our future together and we were investing in the business opportunity. So um, I, there were things that went on that, that now looking back, I understand were warning signs, but at the time I, I didn't know. And this is very common because um, my second book actually is called Red Flags of Love Fraud, 10 Signs You're Dating a Sociopath. And with that book, this is exactly what I did. I, I, I gathered data on what people experienced. And, and from all the, the data that I collected, that's how I came up with the 10 signs of, of what the warning signs are. But typically, people usually see things that you're going like, huh, you know what? Um, but they don't know what it means. And so consequently, you know, you don't realize that you're involved with a, an exploiter or a predator because you, you don't know what the warning signs are. Well, it's that or if you do notice something odd and you mention it, they sweet talk their way out of it. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they are experts at uh, turning things around and, and making you apologize because they did something mad, bad to you. I mean, that happens all the time. You know, it, it's like they do something rude and, and they blow off a date or something like that. And, and you complain because they blow off a date and they talk and talk and talk. And all of a sudden you're the one apologizing for complaining that they blew off the date, you know, and, and this is just, it's just a typical sociopathic playbook I, that's that's what they do all the time is they turn things around so that you feel bad for their bad behavior hmm hmm So you dated this gentleman, you married him? Yes. And then uh, what did you notice? And then obviously everything started to change, you know, after you married him. What, what, like you say, you've got 10 signs. What, what are those 10 signs? Okay. Well, um, the warning signs, which I, as I said, I, I did not recognize that they were warning signs in the beginning. Um, but the first one is charisma and charm, you know, exactly, you know, what this guy presented himself to be. He, he was just so magnetic and always knew what to say and, and was never at a loss for words. Well, you know, like 90% of the people who get involved with sociopaths, that's what they report. So this is actually the number one sign that somebody um, may have a personality disorder. And the next thing is love bombing, um, because what they do is they shower you with attention and affection. They tell you how wonderful you are, which he did to me. So uh, so that's the next one. And then another one uh, that you see early is um, sexual magnetism. Uh, they, they, you know, if you feel like your your physical relationship is off the charts, well, it could be because they have excess testosterone. 
-hmm. And then another thing that happens is what I call the pity play. Uh, they they want to make you feel sorry for them. And, and my ex did that to me. I mean, on our first date, when we first met, he's telling me about his his wife who had passed away. And, and he's, you know, he's like, but I think, you know, with you, I, I could have a chance to love again, you know, and, and just, just really milked it. And so, so, um, so those are like the top four. Yeah. Um, now the problem is those sound like pretty good qualities. I mean, who doesn't want to be involved with a guy who's charismatic and charming and sexy and thinks you're wonderful. So you, you have to look at the whole package. Now, another thing that happens is that they tend to blame other people for everything that goes wrong in their life. And this is a key one because this is one that you will see even while they're being charming and, and showering you with affection. They'll, they'll complain about their ex or their boss or, you know, and all this other stuff. So it's important that that one is important. Um, another thing is that um, they lie. I mean, this is all sociopaths lie. Of course, the problem is you don't know that they're lying, you know, and, until later on. So that's why the blaming is so important because you can see that one. And then there's a few others. There's um, they they often have um, intense eye contact, which is actually the the only physical sign that someone may be a sociopath. They may like stare at you like a predator, you know, which is what they're doing. Um, or they can have these dead eyes. You know, some people call them shark eyes. With it looks like there's nobody home inside. Um, there's also the, um, Jekyll and Hyde personality, which you mentioned previously, you know, one minute they love you, the next minute they hate you and, and you don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so this, there's, there's 10 of these signs and you really kind of need to see all of them, you know, because not everybody who's charming is a sociopath. Right. You know? So you don't want to write somebody off, you know, just because they're charming. Um, but if you start to see that they're, you know, charming and sexy and, oh yeah, they're blaming everybody. And, and, and now I catch you in lies, you know, then, then you have to start paying attention. And isn't that Jekyll and Hyde part of the personality done to keep you off balance? Well, everything they do is to keep you off balance. Right. You that especially, yes. I mean, one minute they're nice, next minute, you know, so you don't know which which way to go, what you how to talk to them or nothing because you don't want to trigger whatever makes them angry or whatever, you know, or any of that. Exactly. And so um, there definitely have this, this Jekyll and the Hyde thing. I, you, it, it, it's so inborn or, or part of their personality that I'm not sure that they're doing that on purpose. You know, I mean, that, that's just part of who they are. Um, but it, it's shocking, you know, because they can be, you know, just so wonderful. And then all of a sudden they flip and mm. it's like, whoa, where did that come from? So mm. that actually is a warning sign. You know, if if you're, you know, having this involvement with somebody and then all of a sudden he does something, you go, whoa, where did that come from? So, mm. I mean, that's that's important because it could be what we call the mask slipping, you know, because what they do is um, essentially they they run a charade. Uh, as far as if, if they're, you know, trying to target you to reel you in and they can keep the, the charade going for a long time. And, you know, with, with every, I mean, I had, I've had people tell me, I, I remember one case in particular, this woman told me that they dated for four years. Now, I mean, I didn't do that. I got swept off my feet, got married much too quickly, which often happens. But, you know, this woman, they dated for four years. He was perfect for four years. And then as soon as they got married, boom changes totally different wow. sounds about right um he managed to get a lot of money out of you and how, how did he do that how, how how was he able to do that and is your family i mean because obviously you 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 have family 
Yeah, I have family. Did they notice anything about him or, or try to warn you about him? Um, sort of, but you know, I didn't tell them everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And and that's typical, you know, because I mean, one of the things that he did was he moved quickly to to hook up, and, and that's another sign that you know mm-hmm. the, they they want to you know get their claws into you before you escape, mm-hmm. and so um and and the way he he told me that you know I mean, he presented the the information that you know you really should invest in this because you know it's going to make a lot of money and it'll be good for your portfolio. You know, so so this is the story that he gave me, you know, and, and then it, it was, you know, um, can you put things on your credit card and, and, and things and, and you know, and, and the financing is going to come through next month. You know, I'll have all the money and as soon as the card comes in, we'll pay it off. Well, that never happened, you know, mm-hmm. but, but he, he, he talked a good game. But plus what had happened, of course, was that he had already proposed to me, you know, and I, I thought this man loved me and that we were in this together and that, you know, we're working to support each other. And in all honesty, at the time, I was I was pleased that I was able to contribute. And I, I didn't get the sense that, you know, that that it, it was, you know, I was the, the cash cow, which is essentially what I turned out to be. Um so, you, you know, it, it's it's hard. It's, it's really hard in the beginning because, no, he never asked me for money to, you know, go buy something. Well, he'd ask even when he asked me for money to buy something, it was, you know, to upgrade his computer, you know, or, or something that he needed for the business. So um, I didn't know, although I found out later that he was also taking you know some of this money and, and you know, t- entertaining other women, you know, which I found out later on. But, you know, I, I never knew about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what was the straw that broke the, you know, that the, the, the broke the camel's back pretty much? Well, um, he kept coming up with all these business plans. Uh, many of them did not work, but one of them actually did start to work. And what that was, and of course, this was back in, in 1997, 98, um, when the Titanic movie came out, which was such a phenomenon. So he he came up with the idea and actually he didn't do it by himself. There was another man who was local here who who is a respected businessman and they're talking and they're saying, you know, we could do a Titanic exhibition. And so they he had a partner. I mean, I wasn't the only one. He this this other man who's who's you know, he he's good. And he was a casino marketing executive and and he's very well known. And um, so they actually found investors. You know, the, this this um, small group was uh, planning to put a million dollars into the exhibition, mm-hmm. and you know, so it's it starts coming along, um, and, and it actually started. And I was working on you know building this Titanic exhibition. I, I was doing all the display materials, and um, then the investors pulled out, and then the whole show collapsed. So. Um, but we had we had acquired all these artifacts, Titanic artifacts. So we, we had all these materials. So it was like, well, if they could find another location to put the show in, then we can go go ahead and launch it. So he told me that he had a deal to do it in a in a dinner theater down in Orlando, Florida. I'm in New Jersey. And um, so he had us move down to Orlando to um to, to do this dinner show and telling me that, you know, February 17th, that's the day we're going to launch. And, you know, I, I need more information because I'm you know trying to get this show together. And, and I call the, um, the dinner theater. And I'm like, you know, I wanted to ask some questions and, and the lady's like Titanic, boy, I haven't heard anything about that in ages. And I'm like, what? Um, come to find out there was no deal. Okay. He dragged me a thousand miles down to Florida 
you know, essentially, you know, telling me that he had a deal when there was no deal. And of course, by this point, I'm already broke. I had, had run out of money. So I was like, oh, my God. Um, but then he tells me that he has a chance to um, sell our artifacts to this this other entertainment company. And I'm like, yes, please, let's do it. You know, sell all this stuff, put it out of its misery. You know, let's go. So I took like the last $200 on my credit card to buy him a, a plane ticket to fly from Orlando back to Atlantic City. He was going to go on to New York to do this deal. And on the way to the airport, we, we have an argument because we always argued on the way to the airport. And uh, so I had asked him, like, where were some rings? I, I had all these rings that they were missing out of my jewelry box. And, and he says, well, I put them in the lockbox. Well, the reason I was looking for them was because it, by this point, I was so broke that I was thinking of pawning them, you know, mm -hmm. to try and get some money to buy groceries. So he tells me they're in this lockbox and uh, I get the key. I, 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 you know, I drop him at the airport. He slams the trunk down, walks away, you know, and, and I come back to our apartment and because uh, we had moved, we had moved down to uh, Orlando and um, I, I find the lockbox, I find a key, I open it up. And in this lockbox, I find all these photographs of him with a baby. So and, and, and then I find the birth certificate uh, indicating that he's the father of the baby that was conceived and born during our marriage. You know, and, and I'm like, oh, my God. So actually, my first reaction to that was. Now I can leave, you know, because before that I was like, you know, what kind of wife leaves her husband because the business plans aren't working out? You know, Cause I, I didn't know he was taking the money from me. All I knew was that, you know, I was going into debt and things weren't working, but now he's, he's cheating on me. He's had a child with another woman. I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. So, so that was, that was the, that was the final straw. Wow. And you're not the only woman this has happened to. I mean, there's so many women that, or it's either happened to or they're, or they're going through this, correct? Yeah. Well, in my case, I had, you know, three other women plus the parents of the uh, the wife before me who died testified at my divorce. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he was doing it to multiple people while married to me. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and yes, it, it is, it's, it's far more common than, than people realize, um, especially back then. I think there's more awareness now. I mean, this was like, you know, 20 some years ago. Um, God, maybe more than that. Um, but anyway, um, you know, there, nobody was talking about it at the time. You know, nobody was talking about narcissists. No, and, and in fact, you know, when I, when I met him, there was no Google, you know, so you couldn't look anybody up. Um, but there is more awareness now, but, but still it's going on. In fact, actually, you know, now there's a big problem with these, um, the on online dating, um, yeah. you know, with all these people in Nigeria that are just running yeah. romance scams. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and you know, that one always mystified me for a while. Cause you know, at least I was with this guy, you know, sure. I mean, I was married to him and I'm like, how in the world do you send all this money to people that you never met? Mm -hmm. And there's an awful lot of psychological manipulation that goes on in these situations. And I mean, this is what I learned, you know, after launching love fraud and, and, mm -hmm. and talking to more people and doing more research and everything. And, um, and so that's what happens. It, it, it is possible to have feelings for somebody that you've never met. And this is what these con artists do. They, they figure out a way to draw you in emotionally and keep you off balance. And, and they call it under the ether. They put you under the ether. And the ether means that you're, you're emotionally 
um, excited. Yeah, and it could be emotionally excited, positive, like you think you're falling in love, or negative, like they tell you that your grandchild's been kidnapped or, or something like that. Either one works. But if they get you emotionally worked up, you're, you're you're less likely to think critically about what the request is, and and that's how people get scammed. I think too. Um, there's a lot of lonely people out there. Yes, and they spend all their time online. I mean, obviously, I mean, look, look how big the online crowd is. I mean, I'm over on TikTok with with this site. Plus, I'm following you know other people on TikTok, like even these. And, I, and God bless them; they're my good friends now. A lot, a lot of the Disney TikTokers, and there are so many people that follow them from sunup to sundown. You know, and it's just people that can't get out, and this is their way of of, of having an outlet and stuff. So. I can understand like with the online online love scams how how that goes. Yeah. And in fact, you know, it it's it's a big problem, especially like I mean, I've heard all kinds of problems out of Australia, you know, mm-hmm. where, where all these pensioners are are you know spending all their money and, and sending it to people in, in um Nigeria or Malaysia. In in some of these com- countries, particularly I know it goes on in Nigeria and I think Malaysia is the other one or, or someplace else in Asia. I mean, they actually run it like a a boiler room operation. You know, all these people come in and and they do a shift where all they're doing is go searching the Internet, you know, trying to find people, you know, who might be vulnerable. And 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 they try and strike up these relationships until they figure out the person is, you know, ready, primed to to be um, accosted, essentially, you know, and, and ask for money. So, I mean, it's it's like it's a big business in some of these countries. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Let's talk about your book, Seniors. Tell, tell me a little bit about how you got to, well, obviously that, I mean, you have other books out, you know, on love fraud. So obviously this was like a natural step to take. So tell, tell me about your book. Yes. Yes. So the Senior Sociopath book, um, the reason that I wrote that is um, as I learned about psychopathy uh, and these personality disorders, Um, especially like antisocial personality disorder and psychopathy, the general consensus in the mental health field is that people who have particularly antisocial personality disorder burn out in their 40s and they engage in less antisocial behavior. I mean, this this is actually published in multiple psychiatry textbooks. You know, it says that they tend to, you know, it, it just, you know, not engage in as much bad behavior, you know, once they get into their forties. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this and I'm, and I'm like, well, my ex was 55 when I met him. Okay. And so, you know, he's definitely pulled the scam while, when, you know, at that age, plus after I left him, he scammed more women. Okay. So, so this guy, you know, wasn't calming down. And I heard the same thing from plenty of other people. I've, at this point, I've got well over 10,000 cases you know, of people who have told me their stories, many of whom are you know, middle-aged people. And, and there's, you know, whoever they're involved with is you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and, and still doing all this bad behavior. So I wanted to document it and, and find out you know, exactly what was going on. So I did a survey because I've, I've done multiple surveys for love fraud. And this one had about... Um, 20, 2,400 responses. There, there were two parts of the survey. So uh, 2,400 people, which is a good, a good size data set. And, you know, I, I asked about them. 
I asked them to talk about their experiences with people who were over the age of 50 who they believed were personality disordered. And I picked 50 because if they're burning out by 40, by 50, they should be pretty well calmed down. That was the rationale for that. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, you know, they don't. All these people were telling me that, you know, the, the behavior was like really, really bad. In fact, there, there were two key questions to, to the survey. And, and there's like 90 some questions, but there were two that were really important. The first question was, did you know this person both before and after the age of 50? And uh, about 40, 40 to 50% of people said yes, because I mean, it, it wasn't just limited to romantic relationships. People were talking about their, their parents, their children, their siblings, other family members, work colleagues. So, so we had a lot of different types of relationships. So, um, so about 40%, uh, maybe a little more, said that they knew the person both before and after age 50. So then I asked, um, did this person after the age of 50 engage in more antisocial behavior, less antisocial behavior, um, or, or like none at all? You know, did they mellow out did, or did it get worse? 91% of people reported that the sociopath's behavior was just as bad or worse after the age of 50. Hmm. So, I mean, this is, this is, you know, this is dramatic evidence that, you know, they, they simply do not get better. Right. And, you know, so in the book, you know, I, I do talk about, I break it up into the different types of relationships. So there's a, a chapter about people who date, you know, someone who's over the age of 50 and disordered marriages. Then we talk about parents, um, other family members, work colleagues, um, criminals. I have a whole chapter on, on criminals and, and everything. And so it, it, it it's a mix of the data plus lots and lots of stories, you know, people who shared with me their stories of, of what actually happened. So you, you end up getting a really good perspective and a, and a good understanding of how it happens and, and how these people affect everyone around them for their entire lives. Well, I was going to say, is, is there a common thread that, that you see with these people? Once they are an adult, and if, you know, if they could be diagnosed with antisocial, narcissistic, borderline, histrionic, or psychopathic personality disorder, there is no rehabilitation, okay? I mean, they, they actually may not engage in as much criminal behavior. And this is where this, this myth came from, because if you look at criminal behavior, it, it absolutely does decline as people get older, you can look at the crime and arrest statistics and, and see that the, you know, fewer people, I mean, the peak is in the early twenties and mm-hmm. from then on, you know, it goes down. So, um, but the theme is that even if they stop being like quite as violent or engaging in crime or, or anything like that, they don't get better. They, 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 they mm-hmm. never learn how to love. They never get a heart. And, you know, so the type of manipulation may be not as bad as it used to be, but, but they're still manipulating, they're still exploiting. So, so the point is that they do not get better. And this is important. I mean, I talk to a lot of people who are, you know, involved in marriages, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, with somebody who's disordered. And, you know, they keep saying, oh, well, you know, maybe he'll, he'll finally calm down. Right, right, it's right. not going to happen. And is she, I should point out that there are both male and female sociopaths and, and it's the same thing that ne- neither one of them gets any better. As far as seniors go, you know, when I think of, see, I'm, I'm in my 
50. I don't like to admit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that. I don't think of myself as a senior yet. You know, when I think of seniors, I I, I think of my, my my mother and father. You know, so my sister's like I'm not going to go there. Seventy and higher. I don't want to get yelled at by my sister. So I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to picture somebody you know in their seventies doing this. Okay, what they do is that they're just impossible to be with. Uh-huh. They become very demanding. You know, and and they're they're still. I mean, depending on um, you know how much they they still have their wits about them, and 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 you know, plenty of people do at that age. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still running little games. You know, they're still manipulative. They're still demanding. Uh, they're they're still you know pitting one child against the other, and 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 making up stories. Some sometimes they are still violent, and and actually sometimes they are still engaging in criminal behavior. I mean, I, I did collect data on that. And um, like, for example, one of the questions was, you know, did this person um, get uh, arrested and convicted of of criminal behavior? And about 13 percent said yes. But another question was, did they get away with criminal behavior? And 38 percent said yes. You know, so they can get smarter that they're not dumb enough to assault a cop, you know, but but they can still be shoplifting or, you know, something along those lines. Mm hmm. And then the reports that, that that you gathered, how many like like, like we just got thirteen percent got arrested, but how many women or men lost a lot of money over it? I mean, you know, kind of like what you what you went through. Oh, it, it's it's a lot. I would I, probably about half or maybe more of the people that I interviewed lost money, and it could be. Um, you know, family members, you know, I mean, there are, there are some who take advantage of their kids, you know, once their kids are adults, um, there's, you know, brothers and sisters, uh, you know, who, who are exploitative. Um, I, I think it was probably about half of people, you know, recorded losing money. And it, as I said, it, it uh, if, if you were married to the person, it was worse, you know, mm-hmm. those who were married, they, they tended to lose more money, but you know, people lost money, you know, because of their disordered parents, their disordered kids, their disordered siblings, you know, or business investments. You know, we ha- I have a chapter on, you know, work colleagues and business associates. People mm-hmm. lost money because of that. So I-, I would say about half people lost money. And sometimes it was a lot. I mean, there were people who lost, you know, more than I did, you know, half a million dollars, a million dollars, something like that. So, yes, it, 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 a lot of people lose money. And I hate to say this to not sound, you know, sympathetic, but... I remember when my grandfather was in his 90s, and I remember my dad mentioning this, and I used to see it all the time myself. When when we we would take him with us somewhere, there were always more women than there were men. Yes. And so I can see where there would be an opportunity for the for the males to be that way because they have their pick of women. Yes, this is true. And and that does happen. But the, believe it or not, I also have a couple stories in this book about the disordered women you know, who essentially are out, you know, shopping for widowers. And uh, I I mean, I've got one story about this woman. Um, She was in um, a senior housing place and and there was this other uh, couple who were living there and and the wife died. And so the the husband was still in the senior housing place. Well, she latched onto him like in 10 minutes and, you know, became very controlling uh, you know, like like um, their their daughter, the, the guy's daughter arranged for um, a company to make sure that he takes his pills. Apparently they, they have pill people, they're called, and they come around every day and make sure that he takes his medication. Well, the woman would scream at them, 
you know, for, for coming in to take the pills and, and, you know, and, and, and they threatened to drop him as a client because the girlfriend was so abusive. And, you know, they, they finally had to actually move their father out of that senior housing place into another one to get him away from her. And because she would make him, uh, you know, take her, I mean, the, the place served every meal and she would keep making him, you know, making him take her out to dinner and out to lunch and do the shopping and, and take her to her appointments. So what was happening was that he was missing his appointments, but taking her to all of, her, of hers. Mm-hmm. And it, it just became, she was, the guy was totally under uh, her control. That makes sense. I remember going back to my grandfather. I remember him um, talking about, you know, after his after his wife had pa- after my grandmother had passed away, and how the neighborhood women, you know, were, were trying to get their hooks in, and then he would mm-hmm. even laugh. Like I said, when, when we took him to parks or took him to music parks or whatever, all the women would come towards him. He said, "Look, they're all trying to get their hooks in me." Yes. So he was pretty much aware of of, of that yes. character. Yes. It's, it's fascinating yes. when you think about this, and it's just it's sad in a lot of ways too, because you know you hit a certain age, and and and, and I'm not saying desperate, but 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 you want that companionship. But there's still these people out there that will come in and try to get, especially if, if you're well off or you look well off, good luck, because, you know, you got to be careful about who, who you bring into your life. Yeah. And, and I mean, certainly there are plenty of older women who are fine, <laughs> you know, and, and who are just looking for companionship. Right. Um, but there are those who are, you know, gold diggers and worse. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. hmm. So in the people that you talk to, what, what was one of the worst stories that you heard? Oh, gosh. I mean, there are so many. Um, What I did was I started each chapter um, with a particular story that I told at at length. And I guess probably the worst one was the one on the story about um, the chapter about the parents, you know, people who are describing their sociopathic parents. And this story is unbelievable because there was the family was very wealthy and they had their, their oldest daughter was born with kind of like a, a birth defect uh, in that she was brilliant, but she didn't have good social skills. Uh, maybe she was on autism, but this was a long time ago. They weren't talking about that. Um, so the family decided they didn't want to have any more biological children. So they adopted a boy and then they adopted a girl. And the family's wealth came from the mother's side. I mean, apparently her family came in on the Mayflower or something like that. You know, they've been wealthy forever. The father turned out to be a complete psychopath. And he got the mother under his control. Um, and, and she, I mean, we're talking millions, you know, millions of dollars. And what he would do is, I mean, it was just one story after another of, of um, how he controlled her and took advantage of her money and would like donate it because he wanted to be known as a philanthropist. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, um, he's bad mouthing the son and, you know, and, and say, saying and, and would do things like um, say that the, the son couldn't, you know, bring his kids to the family cottage, you know, unless he paid back the loan. Um, but, and then he would, you know, the, the son asks, are we going to have an 80th birthday party for mom? And they say, no, well, there is a party. So the son doesn't show up because nobody tells him about it. So now he's the black sheep for this. And then the other daughter, the one who had, um, the disability, he, he like possibly allowed her to die. 
mm-hmm. you know, you know, so it, it was, it was just awful, you know, and, 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 and most of it was simply to entertain himself. You know, it's not like he needed the money or anything because he was taking it all from the wife, right. but I mean, it was just the cold and calculated nature of how he treated his family was simply unbelievable. It's, it's just, it's just so fascinating to me that people, and I don't want to say people are dumb because I mean, I've known some sociopaths. I can honestly mm-hmm. say that my, in my lifetime. I've gotten away from them, but I've known them. And it's just fascinating to me that, like, well, I, I, you see it all the time. I mean, like, going back to these um, people online that, that, you know, from Nigeria and going, you know, back and forth. Like, even when you watch, you know, forgive me people for seeing Dr. Phil, but when you see these guys, these, these, these people on Dr. Phil, and when he goes after these, these, these people overseas, the women don't want to believe anyway. Right. So the family, it's amazing to me that the families can't, you know, convince these, these, these seniors or, or whoever that, that these people aren't good for them. But, uh, but you can, in a way I can understand why too, because love is, as they say, like the song says, love is blind. It's, it's more than that. It's more about the mind control strategies mm-hmm. that the sociopaths use. I mean, that's essentially what's going on is, is mind control and there's a lot of manipulation that goes on. And the other thing that happens is that people get trauma bonded to the perpetrator. And a trauma bond, by definition, is an attachment to somebody who's destructive to you. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, there's, there's all this emotional stuff that goes on. And um, it can be very difficult to recognize what's going on and to undo it. And essentially, it's the same thing that happens in cults. Because in, in my view, cult leaders are, are sociopaths on steroids, you know, right. and, and so, you know, sociopaths use all the same techniques that cult leaders do, which, you know, the term love bombing, I mean, that originally came from Sung Young Moon, you know, the, the Unitarian guy, you know, and, and, and he's the one that, that started it because this is what they do. That's how they get people into the cult. They shower them with attention. You're welcome here. You know, you're, you're, come join us. You know, we love you. You're, you'll, you'll be happy. And this is exactly what sociopaths do. So these techniques and, you know, I mean, sociopaths, as far as I know, like don't go to school for this, you know, so they just kind of figure it out, but they're very, very powerful brain techniques and and people end up getting in these trauma situations and that's what makes it so difficult to get out of them. You know, that? um, can you tell me the difference for people that are out there? Because I know there's a lot of talk about narcissists and sociopaths. What are the differences between a sociopath and a narcissist? Okay, well, let me explain how I use it on love fraud. Um, The term sociopath is no longer an official clinical diagnosis for anything. Okay, Okay. I mean, it used to be, but it isn't any longer. And and this gets kind of complicated, which is why I use the term sociopath. I use the term sociopath as an umbrella term for all of the personality disorders that are exploitative and manipulative. And so this includes um, in the DSM-5, which is the the Bible essentially for psychiatrists, there's a category called cluster B personality disorders. And these are the disorders where there's there's all this emotion going on and they're dramatic and and things like that. So the cluster B um, personality disorders are antisocial, narcissistic, borderline and histrionic personality disorders. Um, And then there's psychopathy, which is 
similar but not precisely the same as antisocial personality disorder. And the only reason that it's all, you know, it's considered different is because the mental health professionals have not agreed on, you know, what the terminology is supposed to be. You know, they've got the, the university researchers use the term psychopath and all the clinicians used cluster B and all those disorders. And, you know, so it's, it's like this big political battle. So it, it, it's a mess. And, and this is why we're all confused. I mean, if these professionals can't figure it out, you know, what hope do the rest of us have? Right. So, so from my point of view, we need to know that they're all out there, you know, because there is a lot of overlap among these disorders. Like, for example, in, in, um, narcissism is a component of antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and there's a, and, and people can have, you know, uh, like, you know, part of this and part of that. So it, it all becomes very confusing. And I want to educate people to be aware that there are people out there who are fundamentally different from the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And what they have in common is that they do not have the ability to authentically love. Okay. So this is the bottom line for these disorders. And, um, and it's just, you know, I want to talk about them in general. So I'm using the term sociopath and, and actually I am using the term as it was originally designed to be used because when the word sociopath was coined back in, in 1930, it was it meant anything deviant in, in, in social relationships. So that's exactly what we're talking about. But it, it became associated with antisocial personality disorder. So now people tell me I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, and I'm using the wrong terminology and all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, there's an awful lot of overlap among these disorders. And, and what essentially what we need to know is that there are people out there who are fundamentally different from the rest of us. Mm-hmm. What they do is they take advantage of us and exploit us. And, and it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. We need to get them out of our lives. Absolutely. I think what you're talking about too, with it all being umbrella. I remember um, Ted Bundy was, was supposed to be a sociopath. I think that's why they started to make the changes because people like him were being classified under there too. You know, and I, I think I think that's why there was the big push to 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 separate that. Well, it was actually before that because okay. I think Bundy was like in the seventies or eighties yeah, or something yeah. like that. Well, this change was made um, in the sixties. Okay, now it's fine. So, but it, it's just messy, you know. It's just yeah. you know all these people that are arguing about you know the precise diagnosis, and the thing is, they're, they're all bad. Okay, we we yeah. need to be aware of all of them. So so that's why I like to talk about it generally. Absolutely. So after it happened to you, you turned it into something good because it's always good to take something bad and turn it into something good. So what got you? I mean, obviously, your experience to write it down was was very good for you, you know, to, to get all that down on paper. Because I mean, that helps me. But you took it even farther, right? Because you're out you're out helping people, literally helping people. Yes. Yes. And I actually didn't know that that would happen. You know, I mean, my my first goal was to tell people, warn people about the con artists that live among us, uh, because that's what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And as I launched Love Fraud, which was in 2005, so it's, you know, it's been quite a while since I launched it, almost 20 years. um, That's when I started learning. You know, I I started learning, you know, from all the people who are writing to me about their stories Mm -hmm. and not not all sociopaths engage in financial fraud. You know, like I, I hear these stories of, of people who married them and, and some sociopaths, all they want to do is torment the spouse. 
you know, right. I mean, they, they got a job, they're making money, you know, but, but they, they want to, you know, tear the, their other partner down. So I started getting all this information, all these stories, and, and it was, it was far bigger than, than I thought it would be. So essentially I, I did educate myself as far as, um, you know, more about the, um, the terminology and the symptoms and, and things like that. So now, um, Love Fraud, we, we have a bunch of options for folks if, if you're looking for information. Um, the, the website itself has like 4,000 stories you know, where, where you can learn more about the um, sociopaths. And there's also a lot of people who have told their stories, uh, which folks find to be pretty helpful because they start to see that their own situation in some of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have webinars. We, I think we've got about 50 of them now, uh, different webinars, you know, given by myself plus other professionals who mm-hmm. are explaining, uh, you know, what these disorders are about and um, how to recover from them. We have one coming up next month um, being presented by a police officer, a retired police officer from New York. And she's going to talk about um, how to report your abuser's crime so the police take you seriously, you mm-hmm. know, because that's another thing that happens is they can't do that. Um, and plus, I also offer personal consultations, and I, I've just started offering what I call deep emotional release, um, which is where I, I help people to release the emotional wounds of these experiences, because that's where the healing is. The healing is being able to get the emotional pain out of your system. You just hit on something that I found really interesting, a trigger. The police. Why mm-hmm. is the police won't take you seriously? Well, um, because... Anytime, well, if you're looking at a, a, a romantic situation, for example, or a marriage, usually it's he said, she said, you know, very difficult to prove. So the police, you know, just don't want to get involved. And the other another thing that happens is that often um, you're very stressed, you know, when you go in. And this is one of the points that um, Stacy, who's going to be presenting it, has made is that, you know, in the first five minutes, the police are evaluating your credibility to f- try and figure out, you know, if, if you're OK or if you're if you're lying or if you're you know mentally ill. And she makes the point that the police are dealing with mentally ill people all the time. You know, mm-hmm. so you come in there and you're, you're, you know, all over the place or something. Well, there's another mentally ill person. Um, so and plus. um it's important to understand what's a crime and what's not a crime, you know, because, you know, sociopaths lie like crazy. Well, lying isn't necessarily a crime, right? you know? And, and then of course, what happens is that uh, if, if you've been given money to somebody and, and I had this experience myself, it's like, you know, well, why didn't you stop, you know? And, and why did you keep doing it? So, so they don't necessarily have an understanding of the trauma bond that's involved. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons of why the police, you know, may not, you know, go along. And plus, they also have the experience of many, many people, you know, particularly women who file for restraining orders and then take the guy back. Right. You know, so so there's all kinds of reasons, you know, why it might be difficult, you know, for for the police to actually believe you. So in in this webinar, we're, we're addressing that. And how, how are those webinars doing? Are you getting a lot of people involved or? Um, yeah, just- well, they're, they're there all the time. People can take them whenever they want. And um, yeah, we've, oh gosh, they've been doing it for years. So I guess hundreds of them, you know, people mm-hmm. have taken. So, yeah. If you were to think of the main lesson or, or the main advice you would give somebody going into a relationship, what would that be? Here's how you protect yourself from sociopaths. 
first, you have to know that they exist. And believe it or not, that's the hardest part. I mean, that's that's most of what I do is to try and, you know, educate people that these folks are out there. So first, you have to know that they exist. Second, you need to know the warning signs. And as I said, you want to see that whole pattern. Uh, you know, one or two doesn't make someone a sociopath. You, you mm-hmm. want to see the whole thing. The third and most important part is to trust your intuition, okay? Because your intuition will warn you. That's what it's designed to do. Our intuition is designed to warn us about predators. So um, you'll get a bad feeling, you know, something won't be right. You know, you'll just, you know, it it just will seem off. The hair on the back of your neck stands up, you know, whatever the warning is, you know, you, you need to trust that because that's actually the best warning that you'll have that somebody is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in your case, what what happened to him? Is he still out and about do, doing this, or did he do any jail time or anything like that? Well, um, talking about police not taking you seriously, mm-hmm. um, I actually made contact with other uh, some of the other women that um, he had swindled, and um, one a few months after I left him, I I, I called this woman. Uh, Cause I had seen her name in, in all these documents and, you know, found her phone number and I called her up and I said, uh, I'm Donna Anderson. I'm James Montgomery's wife. And I'd like to suggest that you stop giving him money. And she says, it's too late. I already gave him $92,000. Right. Right. While he's taking all the money from me, he's taking that from her. So, but she, she was a lot sharper than I was. And mm-hmm. she had already caught on that he was, a con artist and reported him to the FBI. And then, you know, once we started talking and and then um, the guy that we were in business with, with the Titanic, he had a friend who was an FBI agent. So we gathered up all the documentation by this time, you know, she and I are best friends, you know, trying to, you know, snag him. And so we, we presented all this information to the FBI, the FBI, um, interviewed not only the two of us, but the other people that we referred them to. They took it to the U.S. attorney in um, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, and he declined to prosecute. Hmm. Now, essentially, they were wondering about the motivation of the witnesses. So they didn't take it seriously. So he actually went off. He actually left the country. He was originally from Australia. He left the country, you know, shortly after I left him. And, um, but I, you know, once I launched Love Fraud, I did hear from other women who he tried to hook up with. And um, luckily they found Love Fraud and dumped him. So um, as, as far as I, I mean, I, I did get a judgment against him. I served it and he, you know, declared bankruptcy. So I never got any of the money back. And um, he actually passed on a few years ago. So he's not tormenting people anymore. That's good, though. That's good. Yeah. Well, you made a lot of money. That's for sure. Do you know at all? I mean, and I know we talked about this earlier, but do you know at all what he did with the money? Oh, he just blew it. it it's gone. You know, I mean, I had a judgment for everything that was taken from me, plus a million dollars punitive damages. I mean, who gets punitive damages in a divorce? You know, that that never happens. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I tried. I looked. I, I had international search agents. You know, I, I had all kinds of stuff. It, it, he just blew through it. It's gone. That's, that's incredible. Well, you do be, you, you do great work, and it had to be. It's a lesson hard learned, but that's what they say. Sometimes you have to fall, you know, down in order to pick yourself up and figure out what's next for you. Did you ever expect, like growing up, 
we're just going to say this and just throw it out there. Did you ever expect growing up that you were going to be doing this type of work? Oh, absolutely not. No idea. No. Uh, you know, in fact, um, I was a, a journalist and then a, a commercial writer and people would say to me, so say, do you want to write a book? I'm like, no, that's too much work. I don't want to do that. And, and I never, ever dreamed that this would happen. And, you know, so it's like, you know, we don't like to give sociopaths credit for anything, but right. he did give me a mission in life. Mm-hmm. And I find it to be very fulfilling. I, I do help people. Uh, you know, people have, are grateful for love fraud and, you know, for the consultations and the webinars. And, and, and so, you know, it makes you feel good. Well, I was going to say, you know, what is it like for you to help someone? It's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, one of the things also is that I encourage people that recovery is possible. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm remarried, you know, we, we just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary and, you know, the husband that I have now is, is the one I always wanted. And, you know, so you, you can recover from this. And, and that's what I want people to understand is that, you know, it doesn't mean you're totally damaged goods. You know, if, if you work on your recovery, you, you can pick your life up and it could be better than ever. What's next for you? Well, um, we're talking about doing a podcast, you know, yeah, because I have um, I have so many stories and and, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's just unbelievable. So um, that's that's what we're looking at next. Fantastic. How can people find you? Well, lovefraud.com, that's the best place to go. And all all the services are there. All the information is there. So that would be a place to start. Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming on again. Charlotte, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It is always so fascinating to have you on and listen to these stories because, I mean, this happens all the time and people just don't realize it. That's true. It really is. So hopefully we help some people tonight. Yep. That's what my goal is. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I hope you have the rest of a great evening. Okay. Thank you, Charlotte. I appreciate it. And we'll get you back on sometime, okay? Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, well, it's always informative to have her on. And those, like, like those, those things she talked about earlier, that's what you look out for. And like I said, I've known some sociopaths over the years. I've been around a while, you know, and uh, they can be very, very convincing and, 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 and controlling. They really can. Okay, now, here we go. Here comes this name thing, okay? <laughs> Tomorrow's guest is author Leslie Giglieri. Hopefully I got the name right. G-H-I-G-L-I-E-R-I. So Giglieri is what I got out of it. So we know how much I screw names, so we're going to find out tomorrow. Leslie has written a book about a teenage boy who killed his family. But his mother is still a huge backer of him. If you know what I mean, you know, as far as what he did. You know, the mother's love, right? That whole thing. So this is what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. This is a true story. And, you know, being the crime court reporter that I am, this kind of thing lights me up. I've read the book. It's a fascinating book. And so she's going to be with us tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And uh, right here. And uh, so we're going to have her on. Leslie Giglieri. Let's hope I got the name right. Okay. That being said, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Uh, we are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. If you're watching from Facebook and you like what you heard, please be sure to hit that like button and uh, follow, 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 follow if you haven't done that already. YouTube, you're going to point, point at that little ghost. There he is right there. 
uh, the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you like what you see, please hit that like button because we're always looking for likes, right? Always looking. And you can find us at youtube.com forward slash ampersand California Haunts Radio. Just like you can uh, Google California Haunts on, um, excuse me, California Haunts on Facebook and uh, a bazillion pages come up. So you can pick whatever page you want to be on because I announced the shows on all those pages. Uh, TikTok, we are California Haunts. It's all lowercase. If you'd like to find us on Instagram, it's under Ghosty Gal. That's all lowercase. We are also on Twitter, and that's under Cal Haunts. And we are over at Twitch, and I believe that's under Cal Haunts, I think. I'm not positive about Twitch. But anyway, I want to thank you all for coming today. I really appreciate it. I'm going to show you some of her books. She's she's authored quite a few books, but I'm going to show you some of her books, show you how to get a hold of her. She's even got a YouTube channel, which she forgot to mention, but it's okay. We'll, we'll do it for her. And uh, then I'm going to sign off, all right? And I'll see you guys tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific, or 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I'm losing my mind, I'm telling you. So here we go, and here's her information. Websites, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash capital love fraud lessons. And then you've got lovefraud.com, education at lovefraud.com. Books, senior sociopaths. And you've got red flags of love fraud and love fraud. And like I said, there are other books that she has available as well. Be sure to check out her website for, for information and, you know, her get-togethers to talk about this stuff, and you can get the books at Amazon.com. All righty, guys. I'll see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. We're going to talk about teen murder, and that is with Leslie Giglieri. See you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.